Today's Fantasy Fiction Friday episode is coming to you on Storytelling Saturday, just to shake things up a bit. Listen in for Chapter 35 of The Dragon Collector. In this chapter, we see the first hint of romance for Javen, some backstory on the romance of his grandparents, and some foreshadowing about what's to come in books 2, 3, and 4. Here's a storytelling tip for you. Telling backstory with narrative tends to be boring. Making it part of a conversation is a much more interesting way to share the same information without putting your readers to sleep. I thus orchestrated a conversation between Javen and his grandmother as she answers his question, Why does Ravier hate me? Through the answer, we get to know Ravier a bit better, and that helps us understand why he has such a grumpy attitude toward his grandson. Enough explanation. Let's go to Xandador! It's Fantasy Fiction Friday! That means it's time for an escape break with author DK Drake. This is the part of the show where your host, author DK Drake, reads you a snippet of one of her stories. So if you're intrigued by a world where dragons exist and people live for hundreds of years, stay tuned for a show designed for sheer entertainment purposes. Still here? Fantastic! Prepare for adventure, for you are now entering the land of Xandador. Chapter 35, Ravier's Problem Radic cheered, slapped Javen on the back, and practically pushed Javen onto the chair he had vacated. Here, take my seat. It's the least I can do for our future king. The other three men at the table got up as well, allowing Hannah to sit across from Javen. One by one, the men filed by. They shook his hand, wished him well, and told him how grateful they were that someone was finally standing up to the dark king. Soon the faces and well-wishings began to blur together, and Javen was starting to wonder if he was ever going to have a chance to eat. Just when he thought his stomach would never stop growling and the line of adoration would never end, both the scenery and conversation changed. What can I get for you? A thin, unkempt girl with long, braided hair who looked to be about thirteen set two glasses of water on the table. She did so quite gracefully, considering her wide blue eyes were locked on Javen's green ones. Rather than squirm under the scrutiny, Javen drained his glass, wiped his mouth, and said, More water, please. A menu would also be helpful. That brought the waitress out of her days. I'm sorry, she said. A what? A menu? It's a piece of paper that lists what food you serve? You do have menus, don't you? Sweetie, Hannah said. We only serve two things here for lunch. Potato soup with salad or meat sandwiches with chips. Javen scrunched his face. Oh, well, I'm not a big salad guy, but I do like meat. What's on the sandwich? The R&R sandwich is the special for today, the waitress said. Javen looked to Hannah for some interpretive help. Fortunately, she understood his look of confusion and said, Rabbit and Raxon. The rabbit meat tends to be soft and sweet, but the tough, tart Raxon meat complements it well. The waitress tapped Javen on the shoulder and smiled. The meat is fresh. I caught and killed the animals myself this morning. That's impressive. Javen tried not to let the turning of his stomach show on his face. He couldn't imagine eating a cute, cuddly bunny or one of those oversized rats he saw when tracking Mertzer. I am in training, though, and don't want to eat anything too filling right now. I think I'll go with the soup and salad. I'll have the same, Gesha, Hannah said. Great. Gesha looked disappointed, but nodded and disappeared with Javen's empty cup. The fact that she didn't ask what kind of dressing he wanted on his salad made him a touch nervous. That probably meant they only had one option, and he had no clue what that option could possibly be. He looked around to see if anyone else was eating the salad, but apparently the people of Gree favored the R&R sandwich. And staring at visitors, from the people in the booths to the groups of people seated at the tables throughout the restaurant, all eyes were on him even after they had filed by to say hello. Is this what it felt like to be popular? 
people staring in awe at you wherever you went? He thought he would enjoy being the center of attention, but it unnerved him. He shuddered, leaned across the table and whispered, Everybody is staring at me. I don't like it. Tough, Hannah whispered back. You're going to have to get used to it. Nobody had trained him for this onslaught of attention. A grueling private session with Ravier was looking more and more appealing by the minute. The newness of his presence wore off by the time his salad arrived, and he was able to eat without feeling like he was being watched. The salad turned out to be quite tasty, even if he didn't know what the white dressing that topped the lettuce was called. The best part of the three-hour lunch was listening to Hannah tell stories about his adventurous father, D'Artez. The man was fearless and lived to explore. He'd been to every stalker territory within Xandador and every region in the Great Rift. He could survive anywhere from the jungles in Gibbet to the deserts of Varzak. He had even collected both a Dawnstalker and a Noonstalker. The more Hannah talked, the more convinced Javen became that his father had found a way to survive in the Land of No Return. Once Javen collected his stalkers and became king, he was going to lead a search for his banished father. In the meantime, he had a more pressing problem weighing on his mind. Grandma, he said, taking advantage of a lull in the conversation. Why does Ravier hate me? Hannah pushed her plate aside, wiped her mouth with her napkin, and looked around. The place had slowly cleared out, and she and Javen were the only two remaining patrons. Nevertheless, she leaned forward and spoke in a softer tone than usual. You have to understand that your grandfather was raised by parents who were loyal to the Dark King. You mean Ravier grew up wanting to be part of the king's evilness? In a way. He grew up wanting to be part of the king's army. He wanted to protect the king he was taught to honor and punish those who dared rebel against him. He didn't have a problem with that even though he was from the Collector bloodline? No, but that's only because he didn't know anything about being a Collector. You see, when Ravier's father Vince was recruited by the king to work as a skillologist in the castle, he cut himself off from his father Kenton and the rest of the clan. Vince never spoke of his family to Ravier, never told him about their collector heritage, and never taught him to respect dragons rather than fear and enslave them. Javen finally felt connected to his grandfather in some way. They had both grown up knowing nothing of their heritage. Ravier knew they shared that connection. So why did he still treat Javen with such emotional disdain? Perhaps the answer was hidden in the rest of Hannah's story. He had to keep her talking. How did Ravier find out who he was? Did he join the army? And why didn't he ever try to collect any dragons? Slow down, she said, smiling. I'm getting to all that. She scooted her chair in a little closer and continued. They had a good life. Vince was a brilliant scaleologist and developed many new uses for dragon scales. He was well compensated for his work, and they lived in the most luxurious section of the capital city. Ravier wasn't a science nerd like his dad? Far from it. He was a soldier through and through. Thanks to his father's connections, Ravier was able to train with the best sword fighters in the country rather than serve in the internships prescribed by the king for the youth of Xandador. When he turned 100 and was officially old enough to join the army, he registered on his birthday. He joined the army on his 100th birthday? That's so weird. What's weird about it? This age thing. You're lucky to live to be 100 on Earth. Here, life is just getting started. Hannah laughed. <laughs> well, I think it's weird that you have such short lifespans on Earth. That's hard for me at age 312 to comprehend. Wow, old shore takes on a whole new meaning here. I guess it does. After they shared a laugh, Hannah resumed her story. Anyway, Ravier loved his life. He proved to be a natural leader with a knack for strategy as well as an excellent warrior who was great with any kind of weapon. He is pretty good with his sword. The Dark King noticed that as well. Within two years, he had Ravier transferred from the General Patrol Unit to a member of one of the specialized justice units. A year later, he was promoted to captain of one of the teams. By the time he was 110, he became the commander of the entire division, making him the youngest commander in history. The pride in Hannah's voice was obvious, but the significance of such a rise within the Xandadorian army was lost on Javen. 
That would probably impress me if I knew what a justice unit was. It consists of four teams of 24 soldiers, plus one captain per team. Each team is assigned to one of the king's dragon stalkers. When the king sends one of his stalkers to a city to execute justice for breaking the law, the team travels with the stalker and fights the rebels who dare fight back. I don't get it. Javen sat back and wrinkled his nose. If the justice unit kills people who oppose the Dark King, how is Ravier being the commander of these teams a good thing? Because that's how he met me. Javen leaned forward. Go on. He had just taken over as commander and had been sent to my city with standing orders to kill me. This is getting good. Why? I was suspected of protecting a dragon. You mean you're a dragon protector? Yes, and the suspicions were true. I was protecting a Dawnstalker. So the king sent Ravier with his Midnight Stalker to kill me and my dragon, Kalek. What happened? I had taken refuge in the Dawnstalker territory. It took Ravier a week to find me, but he finally cornered me under one of the waterfalls that territory is known for. I did a better job of hiding. I did a better job of hiding Kalek. Ravier never did find her. Rather than kill me right away, he marched me back to the capital city so I could be properly executed in public. Along the way, I learned he was an arrogant man who was completely loyal to the Dark King. But I also learned he had a weakness. Me. You changed his mind to his loyalty about the Dark King, didn't you? Yes, I did. Hannah beamed. By the time we made it to the capital, I had managed to convince him that he was wrong and I was right. So you ran away together, and that's how you ended up hiding here in Gris? Not quite. We instead devised a plan that would allow Ravier to remain in his position while working for the underground rebel movement. Ravier convinced the king he deserved a token wife for his impeccable service, even though he was far from legal marrying age. The Dark King agreed and let him marry me, thinking marriage to a soldier loyal to a hunter was a worse punishment than death for a protector. Slick. We thought so. D'Artes was born a year later, and I took him to visit Kenton and Gris as often as possible. There he learned of his collector heritage, and we were all convinced he was the answer to the prophecy. He began training to collect dragons before he could walk and seemed to be a natural. We kept his training a secret and by all public accounts raised him according to the Dark King's rules. Like a loyal Xandadorian, he joined the army at age 100. And like a loyal collector, he began collecting stalkers in preparation for the next battle for the throne. He had just collected his Noonstalker when Ravier told him of a city slated to be ravaged by the Justice Unit. He and his stalker swooped in and rescued many people that night, one of whom was your mother. She told me that story the day she was captured. Oh, so you know he brought her to Gree, and they were married illegally. Yeah, she told me that. When she was pregnant with you a few years later, she and D'Artes came to visit Ravier and me and Japheth to celebrate the changing of the year, the biggest holiday in Xandador. Ravier's father Vince learned of the visit and joined us without an invitation. That's when he realized Esmeralda was pregnant and married illegally to D'Artes. He became furious and turned your parents in. Esmeralda became a prisoner. And your father was banished. Hannah's voice grew softer and softer as she spoke and eventually faded away. She took a few long sips of water before continuing. On the night you were born, Ravier called off a planned justice unit attack and abandoned the team he was with to help Kenton rescue you. He couldn't explain his actions without giving away the secret that you were still alive, so he and I went into hiding. He's been branded a traitor ever since. He helped save me? Great. That meant Javen was indebted to him. Yes, he did. But in his eyes, it cost him his job, his purpose, and his son. It was easy to blame you when you weren't around. Now you are, and it's taking him some time to realize how foolish he's been to hold a grudge against the most innocent person in all this. You. I guess I can understand why he doesn't much like me. He'll come around. I hope he doesn't kill me with his crazy intense training tactics first. They shared a smile, but it was interrupted a second later when Ravier burst into the restaurant with Hamilton right behind him. Get up, Javen. We have work to do. Hannah stood guard. Ravier, I already told you he's done training for the day. We're not training. We're headed to Japheth. 
We just got word Esmeralda's execution is scheduled for tomorrow. Tomorrow? Javen gulped, but it didn't help alleviate the panic. That's too soon. I don't think I'm ready. There's only one way to find... There's only one way to find out. Hamilton tossed Javen his belt loaded with his stalker swords and stun balls. Game on, kid. If you enjoyed today's Escape Break episode but don't want to wait to find out what happens next, click on over to authordkdrake.com. There you can become a DK Drake insider, secure your free starter library, and access all the books from the Dragonstalker Bloodline saga that are available for sale on Amazon. In the meantime, I dare you not to dream of dragons tonight.